All right, welcome to message number four in our series, Seconds After You Die. Now in message number one that we entitled Dust to Dust, we talked about the physical aspects of death. Specifically, we studied, if you recall, five realities that all of us will experience physically when we die. In message number two, we entitled that Mythbusters, we debunked six of the most common believed myths about the afterlife that are believed by millions in our world today. In message number three, we entitled that What the Hell? And we talked about four dimensions of hell that every unbeliever will experience at physical death. And this morning, oh my heaven. And there's an exclamation point there. And we are going to discuss this morning five dimensions of heaven that every believer will experience at physical death. Now, all of us know we're going to die physically unless the rapture happens first. Psalm 89, verse 48 says, What man can live and not see death? Well, what happens to a believer the millisecond after he or she takes their last breath on earth. What's going to happen? The Bible teaches that your last breath here will transition you to your first breath somewhere else. Death is powerful because you keep on living somewhere else without any interruption. The body dies, but the spirit, the soul, it lives on. There in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, it says, while they were stoning him, that's speaking about Stephen, Stephen prayed, and just before he died physically, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He didn't say, Lord Jesus, receive my body. No, he's saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, receive my soul, the eternal part of me. There are two eternal destinations talked about in the Bible, where all people go for all eternity. The Bible's very clear about this. All unbelievers go to hell for all eternity. And we studied this terrible doctrine uh, last Sunday. Heartbreaking doctrine. But today, all believers go to eternity for all eternity. They go to heaven for all eternity. That's the second place that human beings, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you go to heaven for all eternity. If you're a Christian... While your friends uh, will, and family are mourning you on earth, preparing for your service, your memorial service, you have entered heaven without a break in your consciousness. D.L. Moody said before he died, you will soon read in the papers that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't believe it, for in that moment I will be more alive than I've ever been before. And that's the truth. Life for a believer cannot be cut short when it lasts for all eternity. Think about that. Amazing. Now, of all the messages in this series uh, that I prepared for, this was the one I was most excited to prepare for and most excited to preach. Heaven. I can't wait. I love John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, would not go to hell, but have everlasting life in the glory of heaven. What an amazing promise. The promise of Scripture is if you believe on Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you die physically even, the promise of eternal life for now and into heaven for all eternity is yours. 
Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, have you believed on Jesus? He who believes in me, Jesus said, even will live even though he dies. Wow. What a promise. I pray that what we experience today, this message, will make heaven so inviting that if you are ready to go to heaven, you will almost not be ready. You'll, you just can't wait for it. You're so excited about it. Well, let's look at these five dimensions of heaven. Every believer will experience at physical death. First dimension is Jesus' presence. Would you say that with me? Jesus' presence. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Mercy Me has written a song that describes it perfectly entitled, I Can Only Imagine. I'm not going to sing it because that wouldn't be too heavenly. <laughs> but here's the words. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing a hallelujah? Will I, will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine, I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself standing in the sun. I can only imagine when I, all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. You see, your last breath here on earth will be your first breath in the presence of Jesus Christ in heavenly glory. Listen to what the Apostle Paul tells us. They're in your outline, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7-8. through 8. We live by faith, not by sight. Then he says, we are confident. This is Paul's confidence. This is, this is our Christian confidence. I say and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. What is that like? Being home with the Lord, going to be with Him in His presence. Wouldn't it be great if we had someone in the Bible who actually went into the very presence of the Lord in heaven and came back to tell us about it? And we have that person. That person is the Apostle Paul. Take your Bibles, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. The Apostle Paul, while he was alive, was taken up to the third heaven. The Bible speaks of three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere, the air that we breathe. The second heaven is the space and stars, the, the planets. The third heaven is literally the abode, the home of God. And the Apostle Paul was taken to the third heaven miraculously. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 speaks about this. Let's pick it up in verse 2. Paul says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I mean, Paul's saying this was so supernatural, I can't even totally understand it. And I know that this man, he's speaking about himself. Whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know. But God knows he was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. What is it going to be like? to be in the Lord's presence. It's inexpressible. And so inexpressible, for some reason, 
the Holy Spirit through inspired Scripture did not allow Paul to elaborate on it in detail. It was so amazing. Paul would say later in 1 Corinthians 2.9, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. Wow. Jesus was so excited about you one day being with Him in this third heaven that this is what He prayed for you, His followers. John 17, verse 24. In His high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed, Father, I want those You have given Me to be with Me where I am and to see My glory. Wow. I just want each of My children to see My glory in this third heaven. So question, where is heaven? Where is this abode of God? Where is this place where Jesus and where He reigns, where God's family resides, where countless thousands and millions of angels live? Let me give you a theory just to think about, but I think it has some biblical merit. Modern science, as I read a few Sundays ago, based on quantum physics, believes in multiple universes that simultaneously exist. Modern science believes in dark matter, matter that exists, but matter that we can't see or apprehend. Modern science claims that it is proven that all matter that we do actually see is 95% nothing. So this Bible is only 5% matter. What else is there? It's dark matter. 95% of this is dark matter. We have no idea what truly is there. Whatever it is, it exists beyond our own perception in a different reality. Now, Jesus made some incredible statements about the kingdom of God, if you recall. In Luke 17, 21, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, there are many levels that that can be understood, that statement. What if heaven is literally right now in our midst physically, right here in the 95% of everything that exists in matter that we have no idea what it is? What if heaven, the abode of God, is right in front of our nose? We just can't perceive it. We can't apprehend it in our reality, in our universe of space and time, because it exists in a different reality. Jesus said in John 18, 36, My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. See, Jesus is the creator and sustainer of all reality. Not just our reality, but the entire universe. And the creator of all realities. If multiple universes exist, watch this, Jesus Christ created them all. And science says there are at least 10 different universes. What did Jesus say in Colossians 1, 16 and 17? This is said about Christ. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Jesus created things that are invisible, that be in heaven. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Paul said just before he was executed in 2 Timothy 4.18, he said, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His heavenly kingdom. Paul actually saw that heavenly kingdom as we just read. He was taken to that third heaven. Paul talks further about this in Philippians 1.23. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. 
I am torn between the two. I desire to depart with Christ. Then he says this, which is far better. We're trying to describe what heaven is like. It's the presence of Jesus. Paul says here that it is far better than anything in this life. I don't know, picture the greatest experience you've ever had in this life. Now multiply it by a billion, and now you're getting to know a little taste of what the presence of the Lord will be like, where you'll be ushered into that very presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in heavenly glory. That's why the Bible can say things like Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. Blessed, happy are the dead who die in the Lord and actually go to heaven. Paul earlier, he talked about, as we read it, I desire to depart, which is far better. That, that phrase, I desire to depart, it's a nautical term, which literally means hoist anchor and set sail. Physical death, you see, for a believer is the moment we get a hoist anchor from the pains and troubles of this world and sail into the glorious presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the ultimate moment of graduation. Wow. Am I going to see some bright tunnel, some amazing colors, indescribable music? I've read the books, 90 Minutes in Heaven and several others. All of those books pale in comparison and sometimes contradict what the Bible reveals about heaven. I don't put a lot of weight in those books at all. I only put my weight in one book, and it's the Bible. What I believe is here in the Word of God, and what the Bible teaches is flat-out amazing. It's staggering. It's incredible. It's beautiful. It's stunning. It's spectacular, and it's mind-blowing. And when we die physically, we will be immediately transported into the presence of Jesus in this glory of heaven, and we will witness thousands of dimensions of the glory of God, and it will be absolutely astounding. The glory of heaven is infinitely more transcendent, more beautiful, more awe-inspiring, more full of wonder and delight. If you could observe it for all eternity, you would never get tired, ever get tired of it. To just see Jesus, you will not be able to take your eyes off of Jesus. The wonder, the glory, the majesty, for all eternity, you could just gaze at Jesus and be absolutely fulfilled and satisfied and it would just, it's going to take our mind, our, it's going to blow us away. That's what you have in store. The presence of Christ is the first thing you are going to experience seconds after you die, immediately brought into his presence. And that's why hell will be so terrible. Because 2 Thessalonians 1.9 says they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. You see, when you, with the seconds after you die, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be marveling at Jesus. Marveling at the glory of his presence in its millions of of dimensions of spectacular glory. It's going to be unbelievable. Wow. First dimension of heaven is the presence of Jesus in the fullness of his heavenly glory. Second dimension of heaven we'll experience is a glorified body. Now what happens to a believer seconds after he or she dies physically? We go immediately into the Lord's presence, which will be amazing. Here's the question, how? How will we go into the Lord's presence? You think about it. 
Currently, there are millions of believers in the Lord's presence in heaven. How are they there? Scholars differ. Some believe we will go into the Lord's presence initially only spiritually. Believers are there spiritually, but they're there in spirit without a body. Others, like myself, believe we will go into the Lord's presence spiritually, certainly, but also with, watch this, a temporary body. A body that has physical properties, but a body that is not yet our promised future glorified body, which we know comes later. You know, why do I believe this? Uh, Because of a few scriptures. In Luke 16, we have a picture of Lazarus and Abraham in Abraham's bosom in heaven. And their descriptions contain very strong physical language. And we studied that passage. Then you go to Matthew 17, when Moses and Elijah visit Jesus. Remember, they came to earth during Jesus' transfiguration. They appear to have a type of physical body. You recall that at the transfiguration. Not their future glorified body, but a body nevertheless. So if I'm wrong and, and, and we go to heaven initially only spiritually with no temporary body, the nature of that spiritual dimension will be of a quality that it will virtually take on physical characteristics so that we can talk and relate like what we see in Luke 16 and Matthew 17. Now question, when for sure does a believer receive their full-blown, glorified, permanent, resurrected body? The Bible is very clear about that. All believers receive their resurrected, glorified body at the time of the rapture. Now take your Bibles and turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now I have a one-hour sermon on the rapture and our glorified body in my series, The End. So I'm just going to point out a couple things here. 1 Thessalonians 4 is one of the key passages on the rapture. And the Bible here, it gives us the order. It gives us the sequence of our bodily resurrection. And I just want to point out a couple things here so you can kind of see this. Look at verse 15, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. Paul says, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, that's people on earth, who are left till the coming of the Lord, he's speaking about the rapture, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Those who have fallen asleep are believers whose body died, their spirit and soul went to heaven, I believe with the temporary body in heaven. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven, this is the rapture, with a loud command and with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That is, believers who have physically died their bodies, but they're in heaven, okay, they're going to resurrect first. After that, we who are still alive, that's people, believers on earth, and who are left, will be caught up together with them. This resurrection will take place in the clouds, in the air, to meet the Lord in the air, and we will forever be with the Lord. So we've got the order, the sequence of the resurrection here. Dead bodies of believers are resurrected first. Alive saints at the rapture are resurrected second. Now, if that scripture, like, Mark, I'm trying to get this, Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. This, I think this scripture is even more clear on this whole experience of our resurrection as believers. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse 51, if you would. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. 
we will not all sleep. That is, not all believers are going to die. Sleep is the word for death. But we will all be changed. Every believer is going to be changed, transformed. They're going to be resurrected. When's it going to happen? In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. That's a, a twinkling of an eye is 186,000 miles per second is how fast life, light twinkles off your eyeball. It's going to happen that quick, your resurrection. At the last trumpet, that's the rapture. For the trumpet will sound the dead. Those are believers whose body is in the grave, but they're in heaven with the Lord in his presence, with a temporary body, I believe. But then all of a sudden, they're going to be resurrected, and then we will be, be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed. Now, what will our bodies look like when they are resurrected? Wow. Like mine, of course. No, I'm just joking. That would be pretty sad. Look at 1 Corinthians 15 and look, if you would, at verse 35. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? Well, you have to read through the whole chapter to get the whole thing, but you go to verse 42 and 43, that gives us really some cool insight. So will it be. With the resurrection of the dead, this is our new resurrected body, the body that is sown is perishable. We could say the body that is born is perishable, but when it's resurrected, it's imperishable. It is born in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is born in weakness, it is raised in power. It is born a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Wow. We will have bodies that are changed, glorified, made like Christ's resurrected body. They will not be subject to the issues of aging or the effects of injuries or illnesses or death. Paul talked about this in Philippians 4.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So you remember Jesus' resurrected glorious body that we saw when he was here on earth. Glorified, yet recognizable. And the same will be for us in heaven. Our resurrected bodies will be our earthly bodies, only glorified. Our glorified bodies will be like Jesus' glorified body. Jesus' body was similar in appearance. He was recognizable, yet at the same time, we recall that Jesus' body, he had some otherworldly properties of that body. For example, Jesus could pass through solid walls, John 20, verse 19. So will you be able to do so. Jesus could appear in different forms, so his identity was not immediately obvious, Mark 16, 12. You the same. Jesus could suddenly appear out of nowhere, Luke 24, verse 36. You will be able to do the same. Jesus could ascend directly into heaven with no adverse effects on his body as he went through the atmosphere, Acts chapter 1, verse 9. You will be able to experience the same. The heavenly city of Jerusalem, which we're going to study in a little bit, is 14. 1,500 miles high. How do you think we're going to get around? An elevator? <laughs> no. No, we'll be able to take flight like Jesus did. Travel at the speed of thought, most God. Not the speed of light, the speed of thought. Boom, you're there. Our bodies will be very similar to what they are right now, but completely perfected and glorified. C.S. Lewis said, if for some reason right now, you were able to see your future glorified body in the mirror, you would fall down and worship yourself. 
going to be an amazing, incredible body. 2 Corinthians 5.2 says, We groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. What are we going to experience as believers at physical death? Boom! Into the presence of Jesus' glory. In God's time at the rapture, we're going to receive a full-blown, glorified body. Third thing we're going to experience in heaven, eternal reward. Now, it's hard to comprehend, but in addition to God saving us by His grace while we are on earth and then bringing us into His glorious presence and then giving us a new glorified body at the rapture, then there's going to be a moment right after the rapture when Jesus will reward us for our service done for Him while on earth. Now, let me say this. Your eternal inheritance is God's unmerited gift to you just because you are God's child. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are declared to be God's child. And guess what? With being God's child, you inherit. You become a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 17 says, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You inherit all of heaven. Incredible, just because you're a child of God. But in addition to your inheritance, simply because you're a child of God, you will also be rewarded in heaven for your service done for him while on earth. Remember, we had mentioned there are degrees of punishment in hell. There are also degrees of reward in heaven. Uh, And this time of eternal reward is talked about in multiple places throughout the Bible, like Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to everyone according to what he or she has done. Theologians call this the day of believers' rewards. I have a one-hour sermon on this. You can get it in my series, The End. But I want to give you a few things here just to think about. First of all, where is the day of believers' rewards mentioned? I gave you one spot earlier in Revelation. But here's another, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear, this is speaking about believers, before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. A couple other additional questions to answer about this day of believers' rewards. Who receives rewards? Every Christian. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. This is not some mass day of reward. This is you as an individual being rewarded by Jesus Christ. Where will rewards be given? the judgment seat of, Christ, of heaven. That's what the Bible says. For we must all stand before God's judgment seat, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now that judgment seat is the Greek word bima. And it, 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 in ancient Greece, a bima was a high exalted platform where a ruler or judge would dispense a, a, you know, law, but also would give out and dispense awards. It was used for rewarding, for example, Olympic athletes. The closest thing we have to a bema in the Bible, Revelation 4, 2-5, is the throne of Jesus Christ. So I believe that this day of believers' rewards will take place literally at the throne of Jesus Christ. Who will give the rewards? Jesus. I mean, you think about all the times you've done things. No one has seen what you've done, but you've done it for the Lord. Guess what? God's a just God. That's what Hebrews 6.10 says. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. You're going to be rewarded for that. I know that's incredible, but that's part of heaven. What would be the basis of, for rewards given? Good works done. Any good work done. 
handing to someone a little cup of water says gets a reward. What will be the personal outcome? Rewards will be received and rewards will be lost. That's what the Bible teaches. 1 Corinthians 3.14, if what he has built on survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. This is not speaking about, we're saved, we're going to heaven, we've inherited all of heaven. But this is the day of believers' rewards, and I believe this is given for us to think about right now. Watch out that you do not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. And so that should cause us to think about how we're living right now. How should we live in light of this day? The Bible says always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord, it's not in vain. You're going to be rewarded for this. The Bible says do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. What will be the kingdom outcome? Positions are going to be granted at this day of believers' rewards. Now watch this. I know I'm giving you a lot, but this is, you need to kind of get this in one message. The next major event after this day of believers' rewards will be the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth, and then the millennial kingdom, the thousand-year rule of, rule of Christ on earth, which you'll be part of, and then the eternal state. Now, who's going to be part of helping Jesus rule the earth? You and me believers, and saints. Okay, how is this going to be determined, this rule? Each believer will be assigned a place, a position in the coming millennial kingdom and eternal state, which is part of God's sovereign plan. But fitting into God's sovereign plan is also your faithfulness to God while on earth with the assignment that God gave you. And all this is going to take place at this day of believers' rewards. Remember the parable of the talents. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. That's Jesus. He went on a journey to heaven. It's right here in your notes. Who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. God has given us all time, talent, and treasure according to our ability. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. That's at the rapture. And settled accounts with them. His master replied, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. That's a picture of what's going to take place in the millennial kingdom, in the eternal state. The reward for faithful service on earth is greater opportunity for service in the millennium and the eternal state. Now, what's going to be the atmosphere of all of this? Rejoicing. This is nothing to fear, beloved. Not at all. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, at that time each will receive his praise from God. Now, if right now you're a little convicted, well, I should be, we should all be. We should be encouraged, but we ought to be thoughtful about our lives. That, hey, we only have so much time. I mean, what's going to last is what we do for Jesus Christ, amen? And we ought to think about eternity in light of the fact we're going to be brought into the presence of Christ, we're going to get a resurrected body, but there will be a day of reward for us. And it's, it's nothing to fear, it's something to be excited about. Right now, we may kind of get, oh, you know, about that. That's because we're in a sin-cursed body right now. When we're on the other side, it's going to be nothing but joy. But I, I think the best way maybe you can think about it 
is it's kind of like graduation. And that graduation ceremony, perhaps there's a degree of disappointment that you could have worked harder, but the overwhelming emotion is absolute joy. Luke 6.23 says, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. That's incredible. The presence of God, a glorified body, rewards from Jesus along with your inheritance is what we're going to experience. Fourth dimension of heaven is this, physical reign or you could write kingdom reign. See, you will reign with Christ. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 2.12, we will also reign with him. Let's say you were to die tomorrow as a Christian. What are you going to experience? Immediately you're ushered into the presence of Jesus Christ. You have a temporary body, I believe. Your soul and spirit are there. You're going to receive a glorified body at the rapture. You will be rewarded by Jesus on the day of believers' rewards, which comes after the rapture. Then you'll begin reigning with Jesus according to God's plan and the assignment that God gives you. And how are you going to reign? There are three realms that you will reign in heaven. First of all, you will reign with Jesus Christ at his second coming. If you want to take your Bible, we're going to spend the rest of the time in Revelation. Go to Revelation 19. This is an incredible scripture. I don't have time to read it all. In verse 11, this is the second coming, which is a movement of heaven to earth. The rapture is a movement of from earth to heaven. But this is when Christ comes to set up his kingdom on earth after the great tribulation. And I was in heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. This is verse 11. With justice he judges and makes war. This is Jesus Christ. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is, he's coming for judgment. His name is the Word of God. This is Jesus Christ at his second coming, coming to earth. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. That is you. You are coming to reign with Jesus Christ and set up his kingdom on earth. The second area you're going to reign, you will reign with Jesus during the millennial kingdom for 1,000 years on earth. Revelation 20, verse 1 to 2 says this, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key of the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. He sees the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, bound him for 1,000 years. During the millennium, Satan will be bound. He will be released at the end of the millennium. But look, if you would, at verse... 6 at the end of Revelation 20, that little section there, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. That's you as a believer. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God. This is speaking of you and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. You will reign on this earth for 1,000 years with Jesus Christ. That's part of your experience of heaven. Thirdly, you will reign with Jesus forever in the eternal state, which we're going to describe in a second. Revelation 22, verse 5 says, they will reign forever in heaven, ever and ever. Heaven will be the most magnificent kingdom imaginable where you and I will actually reign with Jesus Christ. Let me give you the fifth dimension of heaven, and it's this. Heavenly home. Heaven is ultimately about God providing for us the most amazing forever home imaginable for his children, his family. One of the deepest longings that our hearts have is for a home. Isn't that the case? 
We long for a home. Some of us come from broken homes. Some of us right now, our home is just a mess. And we long for a place of safety and security and acceptance and joy and peace and love and laughter. And heaven is going to be the most amazing home imaginable. That's why Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 6, 9, our Father in heaven. Heaven will be a home with the most amazing, loving, heavenly Father possible. A home with tons of amazing brothers and sisters like the Apostle Paul and John and all those that we read about in the Bible are going to be there. All the saints throughout history. A home filled with millions of angels as well. It's going to be incredible. If you're going through a tough time right now, just flip, if you would, keep your finger in Revelation. Flip to John chapter 14. Just listen to what Jesus said about this home. He said, John 14, verse, don't let your hearts be troubled. I mean, are you troubled right now? If you're something going, you know, in your life, then just listen to this. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If we're not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. See, Jesus was the one, he's the agent of the Godhead who created the universe, and he's the agent of the Godhead who created heaven. And he's the agent of the Godhood who brings us to heaven. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, don't be alarmed. Don't be disheartened. Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, a, pl- a home. It's the Father's home. You say, well, how amazing is it going to be? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Look at Revelation 21. You have to know this is my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's just like, oh, I love this chapter. Um, it's because it describes your home. I'm amazed at how many Christians have never read Revelation 21 and 22. This is like your home. You should get to know it. And I, again, I have an hour-long sermon on this very chapter, but I'm just going to give you three facts about our heavenly home. First of all, heaven will be a new place. New place. Look at Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven. This is after the millennium. And a new earth. Everything's new. For the first heaven and the first earth, as we know it right now, has passed away. And then notice what he says in verse 5. He was seated on the throne, said, I am making how much of heaven? Everything new. Everything in heaven is going to be new. It's, it's a new it's, it, it will feature a new earth and a new universe. It will showcase the new Jerusalem as its new capital on earth. Jerusalem will be the capital of the new earth, the new heaven on earth. Everything in it will be new. How many of you love this, the smell of a brand new car? Just get in there. Oh, everywhere you go in heaven, it's going to be that. Everything is new. Second, heaven will be a beautiful place. And, and John, he's trying to come up with how to describe this to us, and, and he picks a bride as an image. Look at verse 2, where he says, uh, I saw the holy city. You know, how do you describe this city? The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I remember seeing Tracy walk in that door right there in that sanctuary. We got married in the sanctuary and just (sighs) blew me away. This is 
This is the new Jerusalem. It's like a bride. You say, how beautiful. You, you've got to read it all here, but you look at verse like 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, come and I'll show you the bride, John, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away into the Spirit to this high mountain. See, John saw the new Jerusalem. And, and you have to read the chapter to see what it says, but let me just kind of summarize. It will showcase this new Jerusalem, the most beautiful city imaginable. It will shine like the brilliance of clear crystal. It will contain heaven where you and I will live. A absolutely high, astounding, stunning wall that's going to surround the whole city. It will feature 12 gates. Each gate will be made of a single pearl. The city itself will be in the shape of a cube, 1,400 miles squared, up, down, and across. The entire city is made of pure gold, but not gold like what we see, gold that is clear as glass. It's 1,400 miles in length. The Bible is very clear with that. The width and height, it's, it's absolutely ginormous. <laughs> By the way, that is the distance from Mexico to Canada. The base of the New Jerusalem alone is 2.25 million square miles. The ground floor alone would provide enough living space for more people than who have lived in all of human history combined. And they would be given one-third of an acre per person just on the ground floor. If each story were a generous 12 feet high, the city would have over 600,000 stories. If there were 20 billion residents, each person would, would have one cubic mile of space. Jesus said in John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many rooms. That's why the King James Version says, in my Father's house are many mansions. It's incredible. Heaven's going to be this new place, the new Jerusalem. It's going to be a beautiful place. And thirdly, heaven will be an experiencing God place. Verse 3 says this. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Guess what? In all of human history, we've yet to have this experience except in the garden before the fall. What's it like to live physically with God in our presence? It's going to be amazing. We have yet to experience truly what it's like to live in close proximity physically with the God who redeemed us. And if you read this chapter, it's, it's incredible the things that are pointed out. Let me just summarize. We will experience living with God. We will experience no sorrow, no death, no pain. We will experience life to the fullest in community with God and with God's family, God's saints, and God's angels. We will experience our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. We will experience the constant glory of God because the glory of God, there is no sun in, needed in heaven because the glory of God just shines everywhere. There is no darkness in heaven. We will experience the wonder of travel and discovery throughout the universe. We will experience the beauty of the new Jerusalem. We will experience life without the curse, which we don't know anything of that because all we know is the curse. We will experience serving God. We will experience seeing the very face of God. We will experience reigning with God forever. 
we will experience worshiping God. Wow. How many of you want to go there? <laughs> Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence, or will my, to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah, or will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. My prayer is that this message has given you some substance for your imagination. You should approach heaven with imagination, but it should be biblically fed imagination. These five things, let it stir your imagination because these five things are what the Bible reveals you will experience seconds, hours, days, years, and yet there are no seconds, days, years in eternity. For eternity is outside of time and space. We can't even understand that concept. What are we going to experience? Immediately ushered into the presence of Jesus, a glorified body, rewarded by Jesus, reigning with Jesus, a heavenly home that defies comprehension in its beauty, glory, and joy. There's two verses that I've just been meditating on to wrap this uh, message up. The first comes from Psalm 16, verse 11, where it says this, You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I've thought about that verse because I've gone, Lord, and you and I are here this morning, or you're watching this on video. You have made known to me the path of life. Isn't that incredible that God in his grace has made known to you and me the path of life so that we are on the narrow path leading to life, not the broad path leading to destruction. Why God in his eternal wisdom and grace and goodness chose you and I to be his children, I will never know. But he has made known to us. This is what he's done in the past. What will he do for us? This is what he's going to do seconds after we die. Fill you with joy in his presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand forever. Wow. This is what we have to look forward to. And maybe for you, you just need to thank God that he has made known to you his plan, that this is your future. Maybe you need to thank God for heaven. All, all, and then the, the second verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And maybe for you, you need to come to the point where you believe on Jesus. God somehow has revealed himself to you today and you've yet to cross from death to life. And you can put your faith in Christ. Right now, believe on Jesus so that you can go to heaven seconds after you die physically and live forever with God in eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you've made known to us the path of life. We stand in awe of you, Lord, and our future that you're going to fill us with joy in your presence, eternal pleasures at your right hand. Incredible, Lord. Would you just take a moment and thank God that the Lord has made known to you the path of life. You're on it. This is your destiny. Praise him. If you're here and you're just like, Pastor, God is speaking to me, but I know 
I'm not part of this family. I haven't yet put my faith, my trust in Jesus. Then right now, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who went, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, went to that cross, died there, and rose from the grave to give you everlasting life, to bring you to heaven and the glory that is meant for all those who enter in. Enter into this amazing offer that God extends to you right now. It's faith in Jesus. Cry out to the living God. Repent of your sins. Trust Jesus. Go to heaven because of God's gift. Thank you, Lord, for our study. Thank you, God, that we could have the privilege of studying what the Bible says will take place seconds after we die. We are grateful for your word. And God's people said? Amen. Amen. All right.